Amen. Praise God. Well, good morning. And how many of you are ready to receive a word from the Lord today? I'm having a great time. I trust that you are as well. And uh, I know one thing. I am confident gathering. I'm very, very confident of this one thing, that Jesus Christ loves you, loves me, and he has a great plan for our lives. And so as we approach, again, a day on the calendar that the entire world acknowledges, uh, we never want to forget that it's really about Jesus and his goodness. Amen. Well, today in the moments I have with you, we're going to continue uh, focus and emphasize, emphasizing uh, this Christmas season. Uh, but just as a review, uh, just as a review, last week we uh, looked at what we call the malls at Christmas time. And if you're still having gifts to purchase, um, as you get close to the day of December 25th, especially December 24th, there'll be a lot more traffic at the malls, people coming in the last minute gifts. And so the malls at Christmas time, it's obvious with all the decorations and all the gifts and an increase of traffic. And we make sure to, to, uh, to mention that it's good for the economy, that Christmas in the city is good for the economy, for the local economy and also for the economy of the state of Ohio. Uh, Christmas is, is a good thing. But as we go deeper, we look at uh, the memories of Christmas. And last week we talked about that there are four seats, but only three play settings. Because this year there will be a loved one who will not be at the dinner table um, this Christmas. And as I was talking to uh, my adopted sister, um, who we're going to be celebrating Christmas Eve with, uh, after our service, um, she lost her grandfather. And as I was talking to, to uh, my adopted dad, he said, Christmas will be different this year uh, because Grandpa won't be there and they were place said that would be missed. And so for some, this Christmas is a tragedy. It was an unexpected death. It was an unexpected uh, incident that happened, and it was a tragedy. But for many people as well, Christmas, the memories, is traditions. It's things they do. It's a time of celebration. And so that is what we looked at about the memories of Christmas, the tragedies, but also the, um, the traditions. But ultimately, we went over and looked at the triumph of Christmas, and we had taken our time, and we looked at the miracle of Christmas, and we focused on the Holy Spirit. Um, I thought it was neat that the angel said to Mary that that which is conceived in you, again, we emphasize the miracle, not Mary. Mary was just a vessel that was obedient to the Lord lest we make an idol out of all these great saints and patriarchs. The Bible never, ever prescribed any saint to be elevated to a place above Jesus Christ. She was a vessel, a willing vessel. Um, and, and you and I can become the Marys, the, the willing vessels to truly have a, a Merry Christmas. Amen. But we focused on the miracle, and we talked about the Holy Spirit and the first miracle of the Holy Spirit that's recorded. is where The Bible says the Spirit of God moved, that the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep. It refers to a hen or refers to uh, an eagle, uh, a mother eagle who's over her eggs, and she, she brews, she lays over them. And so through the warmth of that, it's moving, and so creation's taking place, and there's life. And so we see in the beginning of the Bible that God, in the beginning, God um, said, let us create, and we see uh, the Holy Spirit is active in creation. We also talk about the Holy Spirit is active in conception, that what was conceived in Mary 
was by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit's influence is what is going to create this child. It's not going to come from a seed of man. It's the Holy Spirit. And that's the miracle. That's the virgin birth that we talk about. I mean, that's unheard of in the medical history. Unheard of. But when the Holy Spirit interrupts, the Holy Spirit invades your life, miracles can happen. Amen? That's why we must be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And so we looked at the Holy Spirit and the miracle in conception, but also the greatest miracle, one of the greatest miracles, the Holy Spirit's work in conviction and in conversion. So the Holy Spirit convicts and he converts us to follow Jesus Christ. The Bible makes it very clear that none of us can say that Jesus Christ is Lord unless the Holy Spirit bids us. So when you make a declaration that Jesus Christ is Lord, guess what? The Holy Spirit is doing that in you. It's the Holy Spirit that brings witness to that. So people who are trying to live a convicted life have to live a life that's saturated by the Holy Spirit. You can't live a life outside of the Holy Spirit. It becomes religious. It becomes rituals. It becomes these rules that you do. And that's why the law was there was to let you know that the law, you're always going to fail. The law was given by God knowing that you will break the law every single time. I mean, look at God. He gives a law that he knows you're never going to be able to keep. And yet he says, this is how you have to live. He spends a lot of time in the book of Leviticus, a lot of time in the book of Numbers, a lot of times in the five first books of the Bible, a nation who just came out of Egypt, a nation that had no identity. He spends a long time explaining to them through Moses about their identity and who they are, and he gives them this law, and no one was able to keep the law. That's why the sacrifice was continually being brought before the people. It was always being sacrificed. There was always a fragrance of a sacrifice of an animal that was going up to God. It was, con- it was constant from the time of Noah when he built the altar all the way from Malachi. There was always this continuation, this continual need to bring a sacrifice because the Bible says that the bulls and goats and animals were not able to remove sin. It was simply able to just cover it. And how many of you know that we don't want to live a life just covered We want to live a life of conversion, that the sin has been taken away from us. And so if we do not depend, listen to me again, if we do not depend on the Holy Spirit, Christmas will simply become something that brings an economic uh, uptick in society. And the reason why they're trying to remove Christmas is not to remove the fact of the economic benefits. They're trying to remove the miracle of the conviction and the conversion that happens. Because when you say Merry Christmas, people are offended because it's a conviction. Not because it's politically incorrect. It's a conviction. And so because we live by the Holy Spirit, we cannot not say Merry Christmas. You're asking me to do something that's in my DNA. I, I cannot change who I am. It's in my DNA. So come what may, it's okay because my DNA is I live by the Holy Spirit. Listen, God wants to do miraculous things in our lives. He does. Throughout Scripture, he talks about it. The miracles didn't stop at the end of the book of Acts. The book of Acts has no ending. It continues on to this very moment, right this day, December 20th. Right to this day, the book of Acts is still being written. You are the living epistles. You are the one that's continually being written upon by the Holy Spirit. And why I'm emphasizing that is because sometimes we can look at other things that discourages us and it gets our focus off the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that brings us back to remembrance of Jesus Christ. Though we're focused on Christ, it is the Holy Spirit. Even Jesus says, I've got to go so he can come. 
And so as we live a life of conviction, a life of conversion, listen, there are so many counseling sessions that we can have, and counseling simply deals with the science of how human behavior takes place. What we need is we need a deliverance. We need the sin nature out of us to be removed, and only the Holy Spirit can be that umpire, that, that one that can bring that check in our spirit says, don't do that, do this. Amen? I was telling Megan, I went shopping for her last night, and I so enjoy shopping, and she doesn't really like it, so I like when I go without her. Amen? I can just do what I want to do. And so last night, again, the malls at Christmas, Kohl's was open 24 hours. They want your money 24-7. No, no, listen to me, saints. I'm going to get to my message, the covenant, the cradle, the cry. But look at the government, look at the world. They open 24-7 because they, you may have a need that's at a certain time of the day, and they want to be open to serve you. And the Bible says the angels, 20, the elders are 24-7 are worshiping God. And we get tired of worship, but the stores are willing to stay open, pay somebody, because the Rowan may walk into the store and need something for his wife. You are the church. That's why you never close. You are always open to the prophetic move of God by the Holy Spirit because you never know when someone's going to need something that the stores are closed physically, but you are always open to the Holy Spirit so you can minister healing and deliverance and everything else that is so vital. Does that make sense? Amen. So I'm at, the, I'm at Kohl's, and I purchased some things for her, and we get home, and I'm looking at the receipt, and I'm noticing that there's more items that I have than what is on my receipt. So I said, babe, let's check. Let's see what items. And if I miss something and we're looking, we're, we're going over again. And so there was an item that she had put in the bag, um, and this will be recorded now, so they have evidence. But there, there was an item that was put in the bag, and she didn't, she didn't you know, scan it out. So I turned to Megan and I said, babe, I call these integrity checks. You see what I'm saying? Remember, the law is there. She's always going to break the law. No matter what we try to do, she's, unless you're going by the law, you're always going to break the law. She, she gave us an item without us paying for it. She, mistake. And so here it is now that we're looking at this and God is saying it's an integrity thing now. Okay, so now, watch this now. The favor of God will say you go back there now. Why? Because the Holy Spirit brings conviction and conversion in life. That there's a blessing in store, and God has said, now, listen, I know you can't keep the law, but I've given you my spirit. I've given the Holy Spirit. So a miracle is about to take place in your life, and there's an integrity check now. If you function, if you flow by the Holy Spirit, you're going to prosper because the Holy Spirit is going to line you up with my will, and where my will is, there is the favor and the blessing and the miracles and everything like that. It is God's will to heal. He never says pray for you. He says declare healing. So it is God's will to heal. It is God's will to prosper. It is God's will to bless us. That is the will of God. That is the nature of God. This Christmas is about the nature of God being manifested in our life by God declaring his goodness towards us. And so it's, it's an integrity test. So we got to go back there, and I'm believing God. They're going to say, oh, man, no problem. Just keep it, or we got to pay for it because we want to line up with the blessing of God. We're believing God for a home. We're believing God for land. You see what I'm saying? We're believing God is going to prosper us so we can be a blessing. Does that make sense? But you've got to be led by the Holy Spirit. You've got to lead, live a life by the Holy Spirit. The people in the Middle East, the people in other countries where they're persecuted, the moment you decide to become a Christian in some nations, they change your garment and you wear white so you stand out because they're letting everybody know that we are believers. And the moment they go out and they're wearing white or they're wearing some sort of, uh, you know, uh, 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 indication that they are now, you know, converted, right? What happens is the local authorities and the people now 
have marked them, and they die. You can't live like that without the Holy Spirit. It's impossible to live a life over there without the Holy Spirit. Well, the same Holy Spirit that's doing miracles. I mean, people are being raised from the dead. You hear testimonies after testimonies. And you think, why isn't that happening in America? Over there, all they have is the Holy Spirit. But it's the same Holy Spirit that's doing miracles over there. That is over here as well. It's the same Holy Spirit. So listen, I want you to raise your hands now and say, Father, do a work through me. Come on, raise your hands and say, Father, this Christmas, do a work through me. Here are my hands for you to use. Here's my feet for me to go. Here's my heart for me to worship. Father, you can do a miracle in me. My loved ones who are going to gather today, I pray that my hands will be used, my mouth will be used, the Holy Spirit flow through me, that the miraculous will be manifested in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And I'll feel good about that. Okay? So, so that's what we talked about last week. And that's when it's evident that Christmas um, has come to a city. We see miracles taking place. And so we're going to continue to believe God for that even as we uh, 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 conclude 2015 and make our way into 2016. So now we're going to continue. We're going to look at the covenant, the cradle, and the cry. When the Lord gave me this message, I was like, Father... I am so excited, especially when we get to the place of the cry. When we get to that, um, it's going to change your life, I promise you, uh, when, when, when we get there. So in Luke chapter 2, verse 6 or 7, let's, let's go to Luke chapter 2, verse 6 and verse 7, looking at the historian, the, the physician, uh, Luke, uh, as, he, as he wrote and gave his account of the, of the Christmas story. And so Luke chapter 2, verse 6 and 7, it says from the English Standard Version, and while they were there, where was there? They were back in where God had told Joseph to go back. It says the time came for her to give birth. So there was, a, there was an interval. So Joseph and Mary gets to Nazareth. They, they get to the city where he had to go back because of the uh, census by Caesar Augustus. He gets there. And it says while they were there, she gave birth. So it wasn't he was walking with her and she was, you know, oh, my goodness, I have to get there and I'm going to have the baby. Um, the 70-mile distance or however long the distance was, um, she, you know, it was, a, it was a, 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 a difficult journey, but it was when she got there, they were there, and then the time came for her to give birth um, to, uh, uh, give birth to, to Jesus. And verse 7, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. There was no place for them in the inn. Okay, so what we looked at was the mall, the memories, the miracles. What we're going to look at now is the backdrop, which we're going to now take a look at what I call the marriage, the Messiah, and then we're going to see the multitude. The marriage, the Messiah, and the multitude. And the first thing is this. Um, Matthew writes about Joseph, and Joseph is one of the characters in the Christmas story. We have Mary, we have Joseph, we have the shepherds, we have the three wise men. We have King Herod. We have a number of different characters in this Christmas story. But I want to focus on Joseph just for a little bit. Because can you imagine being Joseph? Here is Joseph now um, who, who is, is uh, living a, a life uh, according to the law, living a life of, of faithfulness. And Joseph now, and Matthew writes uh, about Joseph and his account of this Christmas story. Mary's sitting there and the angel says, hey, Mary, you're highly favored. You're going to have a child everything's like that. Then Joseph now comes, so he could have been out in the fields, could be doing whatever. 
He comes home and Mary says, oh, by the way, I'm pregnant. And he's saying, pregnant? Um, we're only pledged to be married. How could you be pregnant? And so can you imagine what Joseph was going through now? And the Bible says this, which is quite interesting, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 20. And Matthew's writing now his account. Because remember, Matthew's writing to the Jews, right? He's writing about the Messiah. So he goes through the lineage of Joseph. He talks about the story of Joseph where Luke shares it through Mary. And in verse 18 of Matthew chapter 1, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed or pledged to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from who? From the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph. So the focus is now on Joseph. So here it is now. Here is the account of the birth of Jesus Christ. When Mary, his mother, who was pledged to be with Joseph, they weren't married yet. Before they came together, she was found to be with child of the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame. Let's stop right there. That right there needs to be looked at. The law gave Joseph every single right to act the way he was thinking on how to act. That in the Old Testament time or in the culture of that day, when you were pledged to be with someone and they were unfaithful, you had every right, you have every legal right to annul that relationship because somebody, one of the parties was unfaithful. So Joseph now is encountering something he has never heard before. How could he tell the boys at the club, hey, my pledge wife is pregnant. Oh, Joseph, what are you going to do? But it's by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, she's lost her mind. You mean, come on, Joseph. And so Joseph being a just man, which means he was a religious man. Not that he was perfect, but he was a religious man that was following the laws. And so it says here, Joseph had every right. Joseph had every right of the state and the legal uh, 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 courts to put Mary to shame. He had every right to do that. And it says here, watch this now, and this is so powerful, it says, resolving to divorce her quietly. So Joseph could have made a public display of Mary's confession, but he decided that I'm going to do it privately. He still was going to do it, but it was going to be privately. I have to go back to the garden. Because the first covenant, when we look at the covenant, and isn't it interesting, I was telling Meg on this, how come God couldn't just have a virgin who's never been with someone just to have a child? Why did it have to be someone who was pledged to be married to have this child? Because God wants to remind us again that the institution of marriage is critical to what he's doing in the earth. That he wants to let you and I know that marriage is vital to a healthy society. That marriage is still on God's mind. Why do you think it's being attacked, ladies and gentlemen? The reason why is because the enemy, the world, and they're blinded by the enemy. They don't know. They are deceived. They're not living by the Holy Spirit. Do you really think that the Supreme Court lives by the Holy Spirit? Come on now. So we're looking at a court that is strictly going by a constitutional man-made structure, man-made system, and they're declaring law for the people of the land. So Joseph had every right if he went to the Supreme Court and they would have said divorce. That's what the rule says. But watch this now. 
He says, well, I don't want to make her a public shame. So when we go back to the garden, we see where Eve now, being a woman, went ahead and she took from the fruit. She was deceived by the serpent and she ate and she gave it to Adam who was right there. So he was right there as well. And the moment God showed up, a higher court, oh God, the moment God showed up and says, hey, what's going on? Adam says, God, it's your fault. And this woman you gave me, this is the why we're in the mess that we're in. And for years and for years, ladies, you have been the conversation. You have been, your names and what you've been called has so destroyed you that your self-worth is so low that you have no standards. My God, an ant can jump over your standard that you have. It's so low. And that's because for years, for years, males, for years, men, that's why Luke is writing and he's uplifting women. He's uplifting God's greatest creation. He's uplifting women. He's saying, listen here, watch this. You are the apple of my eyes. You are the one that I love. You are the one that I want, I, I want your heart. Give your heart to Jesus. I know it may seem funny when people say I'm married to Jesus, but in reality, he is your affection. He is the one that you love. This Christmas season, it's about Jesus and his love for you. It's about celebrating him and the gift you are to him. Amen, ladies. Right? And as a result of that, Adam now failed, and I oftentimes reflect and think, how do you think Eve felt when she heard that proclamation about her? It was this woman, God, that you gave. She caused the downfall of society. She's the one that ruined everything. Can you imagine how she must have walked around feeling and how things were? And here it is now that God reminds us one more time. He brings us right back to that again where Joseph had an opportunity to do exactly what Adam did. But Joseph did not. He says, I'm going to do it privately. I'm going to divorce her privately. And so Joseph goes now, and the Bible says this. But as he considered these things, someone say, behold. <laughs> An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. When Mary had the communication with the angel about what's going to happen to her, it wasn't a dream. But when he came to Joseph, Joseph was in a dream. Joseph was contemplating, what should I do? And the angel of the Lord came to him in a dream. Men, we have to dream again. We've got to have dreams. We've got to believe God, that God wants to encounter us in our dreams and our revelation. See, when I associate myself with men, I tell them this, I'm a dreamer. Come on, I am a dreamer. I'm believing God for big things. I'm believing God for great things. Why? Because my family and my legacy depends on it. And before I even met Megan, I said, now listen, honey, Jesus Christ was there before you. And if you choose to leave, Jesus Christ is still going to be there. I want you to be with me. But I'm telling you something. I'm a big dreamer because God, through the Holy Spirit, convicted me in 1988 that I, my life belongs to him. And so, therefore, I'm going to live for him. And so we've got to be around men who can dream. Ladies, if you're seeking a man, let me rephrase that because you don't seek a man. If a man is seeking you, you want to ask him, are you a dreamer? Do you have a dream? Have you spent time in God's presence dreaming about what God wants to do? Christmas time is time for men to dream again, to think about, God, speak to me. Be a visitation in my life. That is what Christmas is about. It's about dreaming about your family, dreaming about where you've been since the beginning of 2015 till the end of it. We need men who are dreamers. 
Hallelujah. That's what we need. Men who can dream. Men who can dream. And I'm telling you, the enemy knows. The enemy's tactics are so obvious. Put football on Sunday. Put this on Sunday. Keep the men away so they don't dream again. Because when men dream, come on, great things happen. Can I just tell you another story in Genesis about a man who knew how to dream? His name was Joseph. And though Joseph had a dream and he was young and he didn't know what to do with the dream, God still kept that in him. And because of Joseph's dream, an entire nation, an entire nation was saved. When the economic situation looked dire and when things were hopeless, God gave a dream to Pharaoh. But then God gave the interpretation to Joseph. We have to interpret dreams. Why? Because Joseph knew how to dream. I'm telling you, we need men who know how to dream again. If you're, pray, if you're, pray, if, if, if you're married, excuse me, pray for your husband that he will dream God's dreams. Pray that over his life. God, let him dream. Whatever he's contemplating, whatever he's thinking, Lord God, let there be a visitation of the power of the Holy Spirit in his life and let him dream again. Can you imagine 12 men in a room who can dream? That's how the YMCA was birthed. Twelve men who got together, who were dreamers, says, let's dream of a future and build a facility where people could come in. And as they dream, God opened and fulfilled. And to this day, the YMCA is still functioning and is still going great. Are you ready for this? Because twelve men dreamed years ago on Friday. They called me into the office and says, we're going to promote you to be over. The enrollment and the what? Come on, somebody. Come on. Because 12 men had a dream years ago. Before I was even born, God knew where I was. These men were dreaming because guess what? In 2015, good God Almighty. There is someone God is going to plant to the YMCA who's going to be faithful, is going to be committed, and God is going to then elevate to a place where he can now bring influence to the organization. Don't you underestimate your dreams. Don't you underestimate God and what God wants to do in your life. This Christmas is just not another day to mark on your calendar. Oops, December 25th, 2015. It is another opportunity gathering place for you to dream again. It's another opportunity for you gathering place to dream again. It is another, one more time, opportunity for you to dream again and see the goodness of God. The covenant of marriage is powerful. The covenant of marriage is powerful. How powerful is the covenant of marriage? Let me tell you one more story in the book of Genesis. Abraham now is married to a fine-looking woman. She is so fine. She is so good-looking that he says, because of your beauty, they're going to kill me. Come on, ladies. That's what God thinks about you. That you're so beautiful. That when you're with somebody and you're that beautiful, that they're going to say, I want her. They're going to kill Abram for Sarah. And so they go, and so Abram says, now, now, tell them you're my sister. Because your beauty is going to get me in trouble. And so they go down, and so the king of that time takes his wife and puts her there with all the other ladies because legally... That's what they could do. Watch God now. Gives him a dream. And says, if you touch her, I will kill you. 
Come on, ladies. Come on. Come on now. This was a foreign, wicked, ungodly king. And God told him, if you touch her, I will kill you. Now, who doesn't want to be married to God when he can defend you like that? Come on, ladies. Elevate your standards. Come on. Elevate your standards. This Christmas, I'm elevating my standard. I'm not going to have another Christmas like last year. I'm going to elevate my standard because God says, if you touch me, he'll kill you. And he wakes up from the dream and says, what have you done to me? Do you know who you're married to? Take her and watch this now. And take the wealth and take this and get out of here. That's the power of the covenant of marriage. And that's why we must defend it. This is not trying to stop some people from having love and loving each other. It's beyond that. Come on, that is so simplistic. That is so simple. Come on, you can love a dog. We're not talking about that. Who wants to take your love from you? No one's doing that. We're talking about protecting something that can save lives. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about protecting something that's legacy-driven. That's what we're talking about. That's what the church is talking about. We're not here to be against anything. We're here to defend something. That's what the covenant's about. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so Joseph now does that. But the angel Lord comes to him, and he says to him, he says, don't do that. Why? Because that which is conceived of her is of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's doing the work in Mary. And Joseph, what you need is a dream, but here's what men also need. We need discernment. We got to discern when it is the move of the Holy Spirit, right? And that's what Adam didn't do. He wasn't discerned to say, who, who are you talking to? See, when, when, when Joseph said, who are you talking to? She says, the Holy Ghost. When Adam would have asked Eve, who are you talking to? This serpent. Ah, ah, ah. No. We want the spirit, not the serpent. And so, men, we've got to be discerning to be able to ask the question. That's why communication is the number one thing that makes marriage fall apart. It's communication. We see right in the garden. So this Christmas, when you come together around the table, don't just eat food. Communicate. How has your day been going? I ask my kids, hey, how's it going today? Fine. No, no, give me more. I've got to discern who you've been talking to, who you've been listening to. I've got to know who you've been listening to. Have you been listening to Christ or have you been listening to the culture? We have to discern that gathering place. Because some people will come in and the culture is telling them one thing and you're going to tell them something different. And we've got to be discerning to be able to let them know, no, that is not the voice of God. So Joseph, not only did Joseph, well, the ability to dream, Joseph was, uh, had the ability to also discern. And Mary said, Joseph, this is of the Holy Spirit. The angel said to Joseph, this that's inner is of the Holy Spirit. Who was defending Mary? The Holy Spirit. Who defended Sarah? God did. Come on. Who will defend you? God will defend you. God is your defender. That's why we must protect the first covenant is the covenant of marriage. There is no ministry without there being a covenant of marriage first between you and God. That's the first marriage. And then from there you can do ministry. That's how it's supposed to work. Amen, somebody? So we've got to protect the covenant of marriage. The second thing is this. Now watch this now. Now a covenant is simply a legal bind. It is an agreement between two individuals. So you and I can be in covenant because we come to terms and we come to agreement with something. And what they did in the Old Testament time or back in the culture was they killed an animal and they would separate the animal. And what happened was two individuals, come here, baby, real quick. So they would get an animal, they would cut the animal, and they would put the animal separate. And what they were saying was that we bind ourselves to this legal contract, and they both would walk through the, the separation of the animals, and they said, now we have a covenant. So if you break the covenant, and what happened to the animals will happen to you. And that was how a covenant, covenant was formed. 
Okay? So that's typically how a covenant is formed. So God now has given us a covenant, and he's promised us the Messiah. That's what he's promised. Back in the garden, we see right from the beginning, the messianic prophetic promise of the seed of Eve shall come this deliverer. So he gives it back then. Don't miss this point. If there's anything else you're getting so far from this message, get this one. So there are covenants where both parties enter into it, and that covenant is conditional upon the other person's obedience. Jesus says in, in, in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if my people will humble themselves and will pray and will seek my face and turn from the wickedness, then I'll heal the land. That is a conditional covenant that if, my, if we do that, this was going to happen. And we see throughout the entire Old Testament where the children of Israel no longer followed God, they accepted the idols of the culture, and then judgment came, and the economic system, system drained up, the, the, the people were in bondage, and we see that continually. But God kept saying, hey, I'll come back to you, I'll come back to you, I'll come back to you. So that is an example of a conditional covenant. That's not what Jesus did when he said, I'm sending Jesus. It wasn't, okay, you know what, you guys ain't good, I'm not going to do anything. Uh -uh. What Jesus did was this covenant where a person in royalty, either most likely a king, will be able to say to a subject, I'm going to give you land, exempt you from tax, I'm going to do some favor, I'm going to grant something to you that you're not able to keep. But as the king, as the person in royal, I'm making this covenant. And you don't have the ability to keep it, but I do. So what happens is the other party doesn't go through the covenant. It's the king who walks through the covenant by himself. And he's telling the person who did not enter into the covenant, if I don't keep my word, what just happened to these animals, you can do to me. So all is required of you is just to believe. There is nothing else you can do but just believe because the covenant is being entered by the king who has the authority. You have no authority. The king has all authority. And so as a result, now watch this. Watch this what God does. So the covenant with Noah, he says, I will never curse the earth again. And he gives the rainbow. So we see the promise of the rainbow. I will never curse the earth again with water and, and over. He says, I'll never do that. So we have the, the covenant from Noah. He'll never do it again. And another example of a covenant is from Abraham. And he said this to Abraham before Abraham even had a child. He says, Abraham, watch this now. Abraham goes and Abraham gets the animal and he puts the sacrifice. He separates the sacrifice. And when you read in Genesis 15, I believe it is, Genesis 15, there's something very unique you need to understand, church. Watch this. Watch this. It says when Abraham had separated the sacrifice, that there were animals who were trying to come and trying to take the sacrifice that was there. God says, I'm going to give you this land. I'm going to give you the promise. I'm going to do everything. And here was the enemy. Here were the praise, the, the enemies, those who were trying to take the sacrifice. They were coming to the sacrifice. And look what Abraham does. Abraham says, this covenant is God's doing. And Abraham goes and attacks the praises. Get away from the covenant. Because what's being entered into is going to change my life. We got to protect the covenant. And that's why when people are trying to take Christmas from us, what we must do, ladies and gentlemen, he says, no, get away because you don't understand. It's sacred to me. It's not me, me, me just being politically incorrect. It's me protecting the covenant. And so Abraham keeps him away. And so the Bible says that, guess what? Abraham goes into a sleep again, and God walks through and says, I will do this thing. And God, the supreme, oh my God, get the picture in your mind, people. The sacrifice is there. You're trying to walk, and God says, no, you can't come through this one. This is an unconditional covenant. This is a covenant 
That I myself, I am the king of kings. I am the Lord of lords. I am the creator. I'm El Shaddai. I am everything. I am the I am. And I'm going to step through this covenant gathering place. God is telling you this morning that this Christmas time, when you come together, the God said, no, stay out. I'm going to walk through this thing. And all I want you to do is just to believe. And the Bible says, Abraham believed, and it was accounted unto him as righteousness. Somebody shall believe. That's all you have to do is just believe. That's it. Nothing else, ladies and gentlemen. Just believe that God will be faithful to the promise of his covenant. Wow. We just have to believe God. We just have to believe God. Joseph just believed that that which is conceived in Mary... Is of the Holy Spirit, the covenant, the covenant, the covenant. And so Joseph now believes, and he takes Mary. And the Bible says this. I love this. Look at verse 24 and 25. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, in Matthew chapter 1, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife. And knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. Joseph believed God. Joseph believed God. Rochelle believed God. Kelly believed God. Karen believed. Let's believe God. Oh, hallelujah. Right there, he wants us to pause. Believe in me. Just believe God. I know you're hearing other voices. I know other voices are trying to challenge you. I know your experience is trying to talk to you. It's, it's, it's another Christmas. It's another. No, no, no. Believe God that this is the year of your greatest birth. How you accepted Jesus Christ was simply by you believing. And if you can believe God for all eternity for you to be placed in heaven with him, we can surely believe God for prosperity to come into our lives today. Believe God. Someone say believe. Believe. We can't go to the covenant. We can't leave the covenant and get to the cradle until we believe God. We have to say, God, I want to believe you. Help my unbelief, God. If you, have to, if you have to say that, say it. But God, help my unbelief because guess what? All you're asking of me this Christmas, all you're asking of me in the covenant is simply to believe. You're the one doing the walking. You're the one doing the working. You just want me to wait on you, to wait at your feet. You're doing the walking. You're doing the work. All you said for me is to believe. And Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him as righteousness. Just Believe, God, I hear that coming up in my spirit so strongly that there's some of you this morning that God wants you to know that if you just believe him, he will do the impossible because with God all things are possible. Someone say believe. Hallelujah. Believe, God. Believe, God. So my second point as we turn the corner now and we're hitting second base is this. Is once you have believed God that you're going to protect marriage and you're going to believe God for the promise, 
Now God says, you're going to give birth. And while they were there, it came at the time for Mary to give birth as she gave birth to her son. Now, when you read the story, I oftentimes used to think that Mary was straddled over the manger and the baby pushed out and the baby landed in the manger. But that's not what happened. The Bible says that she gave birth to her firstborn son. So if I'm not mistaken, when Daniel was being born, and it's so awesome, right, the birthing process. And so when Daniel was, 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 you know, being delivered, the nurse walked in, the nurse said to Megan, who do you want in the room, your husband or your mom? And Megan's mom is like this. Oh, yeah, and I'm like this. Oh, God. They said, yeah, we'll, we'll take your mom and, and go in. I said, thank you, babe. We're cool. She goes, yeah, we're in agreement. We're covenant. Appreciate that. So the nurse says, no, you can come on in. And they saw my face. And I said, well, stay back here because if you faint, all the equipment that's saving your wife is on this side. So if you're going to faint, faint this way. I kid you not. I think it was Lizzie's birth. We heard someone go like this. Boom. And all we heard from the nurse was code something. The man had just fainted. He's like. It's like run to get him. So I didn't feel bad. But, but for, for, for Danny's birth, I'm sitting there, and I'm, and, I'm, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, baby, you know. But, but I survived. I survived. And the birthing process is, is awesome. I, I will survive. So, so, I, so I survived it, right? So the doctor now, <laughs> and so did Megan. So, so uh, bless the name of the Lord. Yes, yes. Yes. <laughs> so the doctor's there, right? And Megan's up here, I mean, squeezing and doing her, whatever, you know, whatever you ladies do, right? I'm like, oh my gosh. Praise God, I'm a guy. And so, ah, you know, so she's, she's pressing through, right? So um, the doctor says to Megan, don't, move, don't do anything. Don't, 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 don't push. Don't do everything. I, I got to get myself positioned, right? Because, I mean, the head's crowning, it's about to and all Megan did was just breathe. She just went like this. And boom, I came down. And the doctor caught Daniel. She came out. Boom, and he caught her like this. And the Lord gave me this image. It says, hold on. The manger in its Greek means the crib. The cradle means the way that Joseph held the baby. That the doctor was securing my legacy. It wasn't his child. It was my child. I was the father, not the doctor. But he was there, and he caught my legacy. And he cradled Danny. Oh, God. The word cradle means a framework. It means a support system. So his hands became the support system that was holding the covenant that was formed, and this child is being born. And what God is saying is before you see him in the manger, the crib, you've got to cradle the so when you believe God, as Joseph and Mary did, now you can understand John chapter 1, verse 1. Watch this now. If it's on the screen, please put it up, pumpkin. Watch this. That which was from the beginning, which we heard, which we seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and had touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. So here is John writing about the word of life, which is Jesus. And he says, we seen, we heard, we handled, we cradled the word of life. 
the support system of the word of life is us. And we are holding the covenant of God. We are creating the covenant of God. And if we let it go, it's going to drop. And the Bible says it's just going to go to the waste. The Bible says that in the time of Samuel, that the word of God, would, it was, it was ne- not happening. But when God spoke a word, it didn't fall to the ground. Like it, it wasn't a waste. And when God speaks the word, the word of life, you've got to cradle that word. So when God gives you a promise and that promise, the breakthrough comes out, and you push through that promise, you've got to hold on to it. Why? Because the enemy is trying to steal that word. The enemy is trying to come and say, no, God's not going to heal you. God's not going to deliver you. You're going to be in this condition all the time. Nothing's going to happen. You've got to cradle the covenant of God. Because you're going to get it to a crib. You're going to cradle it. And so here is Joseph now. Mary is pushing. Mary is pushing. Come on, Mary. We believe God. Push, push, push. And out came Jesus, the word of life. And Joseph said, I held it. I looked at it. I witnessed it. That from the beginning, the word became flesh. Give him the name, Jesus, Emmanuel. The word became flesh. The word became flesh. And he cradled the word of God. He cradled the word. From now on, gather in place. When you walk around, you're like this. What's going on? Because I'm protecting the word that's in me. I'm carrying the word with me. I'm creating the word. It's, it's a support system. It's a support system. God has chosen to use humanity, and I'm walking with the word of God like this. I'm protecting my promise. I believe God, and I'm protecting my promise. It may look small now, gather in place, but it won't be small always. It's going to grow in favor and in goodness of God. It may look small right now. It may look like every other child, but this child is a special child, and I'm going to hold on to the word of life. I'm going to hold on to the word of life. I'm going to hold on to the word of life. Hold on to what God has promised you. Don't you let go. Let's not give up. Cradle the covenant. Cradle the word of God. And as Danny came out, the doctor, I'm like, thank you. He says, yeah, it was just one simple breath. And she came out and he caught Danny and says, I'm holding on to the legacy. And after the cradle, it was after that, we now get to the crib, the manger. It is here, it says, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. And so Joseph now takes from what was formed with the covenant. He takes what he had cradled. And he now says that, Mary, wrap this baby in swaddling clothes and lay them in a manger. He laid the baby in the manger. This is my final point, and this is where the Holy Spirit now is going to just invade this place. How many are ready for this invasion? The Lord gave this to me, and I was like, God, what are you saying? I said, Megan, let me ask you a question. She's in the medical field. I said, why is it that they want a baby to cry as soon as they're born? Think about that. Why is it vital for a child to cry the moment a child is born? And so I, the wife, there's a member there who's a doctor. He gives birth to some of the children he's given, you know, that he delivered are at the Y now. I'm like, that, that, that's so cool. He says, well, Ron, the reason why I want that is because prior to them coming into this world, they were living off the breath of their mother. The substance and everything was from their mom. And when the child is born now, they have to learn to put air in their lungs. And so they've got to cry. So it, it, the lung opens up. So now that, because there's fluid, they were sitting in water which is the spirit, oh God. They were sitting in water. 
And so now they've got to breathe. They've got to believe I can breathe because I was wanted. And so now they come into this world wanted, and they've got to breathe in. And so it opens up this part that the liquid has to go in. If it doesn't happen, they have to suction. They've got to do something to get the water out because if the water stays around the lungs, the child will not be able to breathe. So the cry is important. It's vital to the life of the baby to breathe. So keep that in your mind now. And I looked at them, I'm like, God. So I believe that when they, when, when Mary gave birth to Jesus and she laid him in the manger, that there was the first cry. The first cry of Christ. Remember, his name was to be called Jesus. He didn't say Jesus Christ, he said Jesus. He is already the Messiah. He's the Messiah. He went from the marriage to the Messiah. He's the Messiah. He's the anointed one. But they said, give him the name Jesus. That's his the human name is Jesus. Why Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus. He's the Savior. And he says now, watch, give him the name Jesus. So Jesus now takes on, so the Christ takes on the body. The word becomes flesh, as John says, becomes flesh. And so the baby's born, it's lying in the manger. And watch that. Go to Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 and 6. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 and 6. Let me take my time with this. And I want you to get ready. You've got to get ready in the birthing process, in the birthing position for what God's about to do. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 uh, and verse 6. Watch this now. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. Are we reading that? Born of a what? Born of a woman. Born under the law. To do what? To redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, it's not just a male, because you are sons, it's an identity. It's talking about male and female here. God has done what? God has sent the spirit of his son into where? Our hearts, the belief place, God. I'm about to run in this place, babe. Watch this now. In the fullness of time, history is all together. God sent forth his son, born of a woman. He goes back to the story of the birth of Christmas. Born under the law. We get back to Joseph, who the law was what was governing. And it was born under the law so he can redeem. Deep means to purchase back. It means what God had covenant with, A- uh, with Abraham, uh, with Adam, sorry. What he had covenant with Noah. What he had covenant with Abraham. What he had covenant with David. He's now being fulfilled here. And it says God now kept his promise. And he brought forth the son to redeem us back to himself again. And because he has done that, our nature has changed. And he says this now. To make sure you know that your nature has changed. He says God sent the spirit. Spirit of his son into our hearts. Doing what? Somebody read that, please. Doing what? Crying. Oh, God. So when you were born again, your first cry was, Abba, Father. So Jesus looks up, sees Joseph, sees Mary, but he has a cry because of the Spirit of God. He says, Daddy, I miss you. I was in heaven with you, but I voluntarily said, I will go because of a covenant, God, that you made with these people. So I will, Christmas time, come into the earth, good God Almighty. But because I miss my father, he cries out, Abba, Father. And so when you and I become born again, 
the first cry that shows that we have life is we say, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. The cry, the cry. There should be a cry that is so loud that this society be like, who are they calling? We're calling out to God. We miss him so much. Romans 8, verse 14 and 16 says this. For all who are led by the Spirit of God, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are what? The sons of God. For we did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you and I have received the spirit of adoptions as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Oh, let that sink in, people. Let that sink in all throughout the United States of America. There are churches who are doing a Christmas presentation, and they're going to walk, and you're going to see the shepherd. You're going to see Joseph. Someone's going to have live animals. They're going to do all kinds of things, and that's great. That's telling the story of Christmas. It's wonderful, and people are getting saved. But if they do not cry out, Abba, Father, it is an indication that they do not have the Spirit of God inside them because God is saying that when my Spirit enters into your heart, you will cry, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. Please understand, how is Jesus going to tell his birth when he gets older if he doesn't cry out to his father? You are born from what? And that's why people question your spiritual birth when you give your heart to Christ. At first, if you want to run to the clubs, run to the party, they love you. You're the life of the party. They're all great. But the moment you change your nature, you now accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. They hate you. They don't want you to be around. They talk bad about you. But while you were in the club, while you were doing your thing, while you were smoking, while you were doing everything else, they were your best chums. But now all of a sudden, you change from one father, come on somebody, to the father that owns you, the father who wants you. And all of a sudden, now they start to dog you out. The reason why the world doesn't like us is because we don't have the same father. We do not have the same father. We serve God Almighty. And that is who this Christmas is all about, that he came to redeem us. My last point is this. My last point is this. How do you now communicate to your father? How do you talk to him, gathering place? Here is how God wants us to talk to him. Here is what God, Jesus is the greatest instructor of how to communicate to the Father. Jesus did nothing, hear me. Jesus didn't move until he heard the Father because the same daddy he cried out to in the crib is the same daddy he communicated with all throughout his life. And if you're going to be in covenant with God, if you're going to cradle the covenant promise of God, if you're going to put it in the crib and handle it and hear the cry that comes out, how do we communicate with God? And here is how we communicate. And Jesus told us how to communicate. This is going to revolutionize the gathering place. Listen to me ever so carefully. We were sent here by God on assignment to give you this message that God is waiting for the cry of his children. When they were in bondage, he says, I heard their cry. And I came down to redeem them. We must cry out. That is the only prayer that Jesus is going to hear is the cry of the church. We must start crying out. Even Abraham, when God came, God said to Abraham, he knows 
everything. If I don't tell him, he's going to know this. And God says, Abraham, I've got to tell what I'm about to do. I'm about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And what did Abraham do? He didn't say, go, go, go light them up. No, he says, can I cry out for them? Because they don't know you as their father. Because if they knew you as father, they wouldn't be living the way they're living. The reason why we're seeing corruption, the reason why we're seeing things happen, and the culture is going down is because the church, we've become silent. We need to cry out to God. We must say, Father, Abba, Daddy. Please, if there's ten righteous, don't consume that city. Because Christmas needs to come to that city in Gomorrah. Christmas needs to come there. So if there's just ten righteous, please don't destroy the city. And here it is now. Gathered in place that Marion, we are going to cry out to God. It says, no, God, we're crying out that you become the God of this city. That you become the God of this universe. That we cry out. Cry out, church. Cry out to God. How do we communicate? Jesus tells us here in Luke chapter 11, and he writes this. He's talking about that we have a good, good father. Jesus in Luke 11, verse 11 to 13, thank you for being so patient. But this Christmas that's come to the city, it's about the cry of the church. The baby Jesus cried when he was placed in the crib because he was cradled because of the covenant. In Luke 11, verse 11 to 30, he says, What father among you? He's bringing it home. He says, What father among you? If he has, if his son asks for a fish, faith is What father? What father? If his son or his daughter asks for a fish, Roland, what was Will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Which father would do that? Jesus is telling them, you, who would do that? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give, it's Christmas time, give good gifts to your children. He's bringing the parallel. He's saying how you communicate to your children how you love them by buying them gifts. The mall is packed. The economy is elevated. You communicate through the memories. You communicate through the miracle. And Jesus is saying right here, he says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children December 25th, if you know how to do that, how much more will the Heavenly Father Give the greatest We'll give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. Oh God, our cry this morning, our cry tomorrow, our cry the next day, our cry will be until He comes back, we'll be saying, oh, Father, Thank you for the Holy Spirit. And I pray that this city will be open to you, God. Because if their fathers were evil, fathers who have left the family but still send gifts, who divorced, who walked out, who death, if they know how to give good gifts, how much more would God give us the Holy Spirit?
So gather in place. Your communication from this day on will be the cry that comes from a heart that longs for their father's return. And you cry, Abba, Father. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Now go ahead and cry out. Come on, cry out this morning. Cry out. Cry out. Now, Father, I've shared what you told me to share. It's five minutes to twelve.